0: When you've got your list of questions in front of you, don't worry about going through them in sort of a narrative arc type order or chronological order. Ask your most important questions first.
1: You're listening to the Content 10x Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10x podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week's episode is all about how to spice up your content with expert interviews. I have a brilliant guest on the show, Sarah Goff dupont Now, Sarah is a principal writer for Work Life by Atlassian, where she has worked in various roles for 11 years. She's also an executive ghostwriter and public speaker. I came across Sarah when we were both speaking at Content Marketing World in Ohio in September 2022. Sarah delivered a talk called... Your words, not mine. How and why to spice up your content with expert interviews. Now, this really captured my attention because I'm a big advocate of conducting expert interviews to fuel a content repurposing engine. Not only do I include expert interviews on my podcast, just like this episode, but many of our clients have interviews at the heart of their content strategy. We also have a service here at Content 10X where we conduct expert interviews with clients in order to develop their thought leadership content. So I think we can all benefit from being really good at interviewing people to create content. In this conversation, we discuss how and why interviews can be useful for creating content, how to find experts to interview and how to get them to say yes, how to prepare for your interviews and how to conduct them, and also what to do after, so how the interview becomes content, and of course, the repurposing of interviews into more high-value content. This is a fantastic conversation, so let's jump in. Sarah, welcome to the Content at 10x podcast. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> Firstly, just to get things going and just to introduce you a little bit further. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about Atlassian and your role? I know you've been there for over a decade now, haven't you? So I'd love to just know a little bit about, you know, the career that you've had there and um, and your role at the moment.
0: Sure. Uh, so I started with Atlassian. Uh, it'll be 11 years in Like a couple of weeks. Uh, So it's January 2012, um, which is hard to believe. And we at that time were about 425 people. Now we're over 10,000. So to have worked there over a decade, it kind of makes me like a a great grandmother in by Atlassian scale or calibration. (laughs) Um, But it's lovely to be able to like welcome in so many new teammates and like all these new, great new people I get to work with and kind of like introduce them to. The way that we work, which I is is, I found quite refreshing and different. But we, as a company, we we make and sell team collaboration software. Uh, you may have heard of some of our greatest hits, such as Jira, Confluence, Trello, Bitbucket. Those are sort of the most commonly known of our products. And then we we have a portfolio of like twenty things that we make. So there's all these other ones that are a bit more esoteric. Um. I started off as a product marketing manager for a product called Bamboo, which is a continuous delivery, uh, tini- continuous integration server. Um, funny story, I kind of grew up in engineering uh, before I came to Atlassian. I was a quality assurance engineer. I wrote automated tests. So I was a continuous delivery uh, or continuous integration practitioner, and then I got to be a marketer for a product that does it. Um, It was my first foray into marketing. I was shocked to find myself there because I don't generally hold marketers in a high regard. So there I was um, becoming one myself. Um, And so in the course of working with Bamboo, I discovered that I really enjoyed writing and just developing content of various forms, especially longer form content like webinars, doing public speaking, blog posts and articles the people around me told me I was good at it and they said, well, you should do more of this. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds like a good idea. This is pretty fun. Uh, and so I just sort of, you know, kept talking to people internally and, you know, as we grew as a company, more opportunities opened up. And um, at one point I found myself managing a team of content marketers, which I discovered after about a year, I wasn't very good at, like not the content part, but the managing part. Um, so I sort of negotiated a demotion for myself. Um, I stepped back from being a team lead, and that's when I transitioned into the role of principal writer. Um, so for the last, gosh, six, seven years, I suppose, uh, writing has really just been my my sole focus at Atlassian. Um, so I write, I've written probably 200 articles for the Atlassian blog, some of which might have my name on them some of which have an executive's name on them because I do a lot of executive ghostwriting. Um, and I still do that. Um, I do things like I write our shareholder letter every quarter um, that goes along with that, the earnings report that we send out to the Securities and Exchange Commission and to Wall Street. Um, that's a very difficult piece of writing, but it is, it is very gratifying and a satisfying work as well because um, it's quite high stakes and quite high profile. Um, so it feels good to be entrusted with that task is what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, it's, I get to work on all sorts of different stuff. Um, we just kicked off a research project that I'm involved in and um, I'll be doing the, I'll do the full write-up of the report after the data has been collected and we've analyzed it. So yeah, I get to work on a lot of different stuff. It's never, never a dull moment.
1: <laughs> sounds great. It sounds really varied and, and interesting and such a great company to work for as well. So it's awesome. <laughs> We're going to dig into something that is a really valuable topic for our audience here on the Content 10X podcast and what you spoke about at Content Marketing World earlier this year in um, September. And that's about interviews. So the why and the how of interviews, how to prepare and how to, I guess, like get the most out of them as well. So. The first question I really wanted to ask you is, you know, what kind of interviews do you conduct and and why did you incorporate, you know, interviews into your, your writing and your content creation process?
0: Well, the types of interviews that, um, that I generally conduct, um, well, first of all, sometimes I interview people within Atlassian for an article, um, which probably isn't quite as interesting to this audience. But I just want to like get it out there that like you don't always have to speak from your own personal knowledge. You can. There are experts inside your own organization that can lend, you know, credibility and valuable information into any piece of content that you're writing. You just have to kind of like think about who those folks might be. Um, and when they're within your own organization, of course, it's a lot easier to land that interview. So for people just kind of getting started, maybe like this might that might be like a good baby step, sort of a warm-up. Um, get comfortable with that and then think about reaching outside your walls. Um, but the uh in general, the reason that I started doing this was because I only know so much about so many things, you know? Um, I had for years I had just kind of like written about what I knew from experience or from, you know, maybe a little bit of web research. But um, if I'm going to write about something like how to negotiate a raise, well, I mean, I could write about my own personal experience doing that or what I've read other people uh, recommending. But isn't it so much more interesting if I can offer my readers the advice of a professional negotiator? Um and as it turned out, that's so that's one of the interviews that I conducted was um, I interviewed a, a guy called Chris Voss, who for many years was one of the FBI's top hostage negotiators. So it was a really, really fun kind of spin or kind of fun thing to talk to him about. It's like, well, you've done all this, like, literally life and death negotiation in the past. So. Let's talk about something silly about how I negotiate for, you know, 10K raise in salary.
1: That's awesome. He's the author. Is it never, what is it? Never split the difference. Is that the... Never split um, the difference. I've got that on audiobook, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's a great book.
1: Is that, so if you were to kind of think about what's the most memorable interview you've done, would that be one of the standout ones or is there, there are the ones that have been even
0: more memorable than that? That one definitely stands out. Um, the other one that stands out, funny story, oddly enough, also a former FBI agent. <laughs> but the other commonality here, actually, the, the real common thread here is that both of these gentlemen are authors of books. Um, and <clears throat> as I talked about at Content Marketing World, and maybe we can get into this a little bit more in a minute, um, an author very much wants to speak to journalists and anybody else creating content because they want to get their name and the title of their book out into as many places as possible. Um, So they are one of the most agreeable sources of interview, expert interview. You know, it's easier to land an interview with an author uh, who just published a book or had the book coming up than it is... um, you know, to try to get the time of uh, the executive of some other company. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a a good segue into the the next question I was going to ask you, which is um, when we are trying to find the experts that we want to interview for, you know, particular topic or um, and this might be for writing an article or a, a piece or perhaps to come onto our podcasts or video shows or things like that. How do you spot the the experts and are there any red flags on almost the, you know, the, the dods and the people who perhaps don't, you know, you, you're looking into somebody and you think, oh, this is a bit of a red flag that maybe they're not the
0: expert that I, I should be bringing on the show as well. Right. Um. So you know, in my process, it has always, well, actually, I'm going to back that up. It has not always started with the topic. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But let's say that I know the topic that I want to write about. Um, So I would, I generally just start with Google. I just, you know, put it, plug in a few keyword searches related to that topic and just look through, you know, I start by kind of scanning through the search results that come up and I I just look to see, you know, are there names that keep showing up over and over. Um, Has Google surfaced like the social media account, typically a Twitter or LinkedIn account of of somebody. Well, in my case, typically Twitter or LinkedIn, because I write B2B content. If I was writing for B2C, um, I, maybe Instagram would come up for me more often. Um, but anyway, it, uh, I just kind of look for the, the names that keep showing up, um, particularly if somebody has written a book or uh, perhaps has a podcast or has just just seems to have a, a robust body of work already out there on that topic, that's a person that I'm going to look into. So I'm going to read some of their stuff or listen to their podcast or, you know, scan through their book, whatever. Um, and in terms of trying to weed out the duds, I mean, hopefully, ho- I'd like to think that I have a fairly well-tuned bullshit detector um, So if it's a topic that is relatively complex or actually it doesn't even matter if it's complex, you know, if I'm reading their stuff and it's just a bunch of like hand wavy jargon about optimizing our synergies and leveraging creative solutions for such and such problem. I'm like, no, you don't <laughs> actually have any advice to offer, do you? No. <laughs> uh, so maybe I'll skip that person and go on to the next. Um and the other piece of vetting that I do is I also just kind of look into not that person's official professional body of work but it's and it's kind of sad to have to say this but like I think it's a good idea to like go to their social media accounts and see what are the types of things and conversations that they're starting when they are a bit less guarded um you see a little bit more of the authentic person. Um, and because I am writing in a business context, uh, and I don't want to do any harm to the company that I work for, if this is a person that seems like they just invite controversy, they love to stir the pot. Um, and it's gonna be like basically if I if I sense that there's a high potential for blowbacks that would distract from the work that I, that I have just published and put out there, then again, that's maybe like, well, maybe we'll look for someone else. That's, that's not going to be, you know, where the name of the person I interview doesn't just by virtue of itself, create a distraction from the other work that I'm trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, that completely makes sense. Uh, I agree with everything. It's, it all comes down to research, doesn't it? Just research, 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 and having a, having a clear purpose for what the end result is and making sure that it's going to match up and when you find those those perfect people and you think okay you know that this would be exactly who I would like to to interview what would you advise would be a good way about getting a yes from them so that that outreach and the pitch I guess
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> well first you got to find their contact info you, you know you want to do the outreach you just have to figure out where you're reaching to and Typically an email address is like, that's my favorite because as a writer, I feel like I express myself most compellingly in writing and email gives me a good, that's a good format for me. Uh, Somebody else might prefer phone. Uh, So you can usually hunt people down through LinkedIn. Almost anybody, you know, again, any professional is gonna have a a LinkedIn profile. Hopefully they actually pay attention to it so they'll see the message. Um, I think if you're doing B2C content, uh, and you find someone who is popular on like Instagram or TikTok, if you could find a way to direct message them through that platform, um, that's often a good entree. Uh, otherwise, you know, some people have their own websites with contact info. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to like rabbit hole on that too much. In terms of actually like putting your pitch together, uh, it's okay. First of all, make it brief. Be really concise. Show that you respect their time. Um, don't write five paragraphs and wait till the fifth paragraph to actually request the interview, right? Um, Give them an idea of, you know, a brief idea of who you are, who you're writing for, or who you're creating content for, what your organization is, what your publication is. Um, Give them a sense of like, you know, I would like to, I see that you have, I guess, robust body of work on topic X. I'd like to create a white paper, a video, uh, article about that topic. Uh, could I have 15, 20 minutes of your time to interview you? Uh, i really love to dig into this particular corner of your expertise. Um, so give them a sense of like exactly what, what you're going to be asking about. Uh, and then you also have to let them know what's in it for them. I mean, obviously, they're going to get their name out there. So that's nice. But you're still asking them to give up some of their time. So, you know, when I pitch people for interviews, I tell them, you know, like, this is the publication that I write for. I always link to it. Um, in this case, it's almost always the Atlassian blog. And so, you know, I talk about like this, this would give you exposure to our, you know, a, a very engaged readership of so many hundred thousand humans a month, you know, like whatever sort of stats you can give them, uh, truthful, truthfully to kind of play up like who your audience is and how this is going to benefit them. And um, just a couple sentences on that, I think is really helpful to include. Um, oh, and then the other thing is, uh, I think it's good to specify the length of interview you're looking for. Um, typically 15 minutes, you can I mean, honestly, you can ask a lot of stuff in 15 minutes um, and a half hour, man, if you can land a half hour, you, you're going to have all the material you need. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It is all about being like super personal, isn't it? I kind of, as you were talking through those points, reflecting on the, you know, the many emails I get asking to go on to podcasts and um they're, they're, when they're just so impersonal, usually when they've never listened or actually asking to come on this. So onto the content to next podcast and, you know, they've never listened to it. So it's an opposite pitch, but they're, they're asking for time in a different way. Um, And it's a, it's a podcast about content and making it go further. And it'll be like, I'd be great to come on because I have a story about when I was in jail or something like that. And it's just like, not really got anything to do with content marketing. It's great that it's your favorite podcast though, (laughs) which they would always say the more personal and the more information, as you said, like, and and I'm always so hugely respectful of people's time and so appreciative that. Um, you want to make it clear that you re- respect time as well, don't you? And, and and what and the outputs and what it's for when you do land that, that, that yes. And you get the interview booked in. Um, and often, as you said, you know, you, maybe you only have 15 minutes, maybe you're lucky to get half an hour or so. What, what kind of tips do you have for preparation, you know, for for
0: prep and, and conducting the interview as well? Sure. Um, number one, know in advance exactly what you want to ask them. Like have your list of questions written out. Um, And as a side note, uh, I make a practice of emailing that list of questions to the interviewee, uh, like maybe a day or two in advance. Just, hey, it reminds them that they've got this date with you coming up, right? Like, hey, don't schedule that hair appointment during our interview, man, (laughs) you know? Um, just a gentle reminder. Yeah. Um, but also it just primes their brain, gives them a chance to just kind of like start thinking about how they're going to answer those questions. Um, and I've never had anybody like explicitly thank me for doing that, but I I just assume that it's appreciated. Um, so in, in terms of how to draw up that list of questions, um, I generally start by, again, like going back to their body of work. Um, and maybe when I was researching, you know, who exactly to interview, maybe I kind of skimmed their, their work or didn't get that, you know, deep into it. Uh, but then when I'm actually preparing my questions, that's when I really sink my teeth in. Um, I, I go get the book. I read the relevant chapters. I'm underlining stuff. I'm taking notes. Because the thing is, like, you want to come to them with questions that, first of all, show that you've done your homework, basically. Um, because you're going to get uh, it's just going to be a, a better vibe in the interview uh, if you come to them with original questions versus questions where they could be like, well, as I said in chapter two of my book, which you obviously haven't read, because if you did, you would know this already. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so <true. laughs> um, And, you know, and the, for for the content that you're producing, too, like you don't want to just like produce a book report you want to actually offer people something that's fresh and original that they can't get anywhere else. Um, so it's really important to like, understand the work, uh, the things that this person has already said publicly and then find a spin on it or some, some little angle, some quirk, um, some way to make it original that that then leads into, or like then gives you fodder for whatever content you're creating.
1: Yeah. I I completely agree with you. And, um, I guess I was reflecting as you were saying that on um, podcast interviews and you were mentioning about authors and how it can be easier to often get authors onto things like podcasts and interviewing for articles because of course if they've got a book and they're wanting to shout out about it and publicize it and quite often when when books come out and um, you know you might have a certain genre of podcast that you listen to and for about a month this one particular author happens to pop up on every single podcast that you listen to I know I'm guilty of I'll just maybe listen to one of them and then the other podcasts I like I won't listen to that person being interviewed again because these interviews can just all sound exactly the same but I'm always really impressed when somebody has done you know awesome research and the interview is completely different and and they've maybe really just like focused on one chapter and one particular thing that was said and then really sort of dug deep into that knowing your audience and knowing what they would find interesting and and knowing you know your research and the the author and or the whoever it is and and really going deep into a topic and finding some interesting angles because i also find like for me with my, my content repurposing hat on as well if you go into Repurpose content um and you're going to share content with them and ask them if they would mind, you know, no obligation, but if you wouldn't mind sharing with your audience, they're more likely to share different interesting things they've never really said before, aren't they? Then just sharing, you know, send them some quote that they've, they've said a million times, but you ask the question, you got the answer, and <laughs> then they're not going to share it, are they? So, no. <laughs> Hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a content 10x insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the content 10x newsletter, as well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the show show notes too. Okay, back to this week's episode. In terms of, um, you know, another question I wanted to ask is, often when I speak to people who are trying to do more interviews, and perhaps it's um, research for articles through to things like this, like a podcast interview, they'll say that they struggle to control the conversation. So um, perhaps going off on tangents and you're looking down thinking, oh, I've got like five really important questions to ask, and I've only asked two so far, and this is the tangent I wasn't wanting to go off. Do you have any tips in terms of controlling that conversation um, without obviously being rude, but at the same time trying to to keep it
0: controlled? Yeah. Um, oh, that is difficult. And it just depends so much on who you're conversing with and really your own conversational style. I would say this is also one where like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, so when you've got your list of questions in front of you, don't worry about going through them in sort of a narrative arc type order or chronological order. Ask your most important questions first. Um, it doesn't matter if, if the interview seems to jump around a little bit, like definitely prioritize um so that when you're on question 4 and they go off on a tangent you're like a little bit more sanguine about it but yeah it's honestly you sometimes you have to just just take a deep breath and prepare to interrupt as politely as you can um just waiting for that other person to take a breath and you can try to steer that the topic back to center but yeah i i have no silver bullet for that, <laughs> that
1: it's hard, isn't it? Like you said, sometimes yeah. people don't take a breath do they? and you're like waiting and waiting. It's like I'm just going to jump in on the next time. <laughs> and they're like, when do they breathe? <laughs> I know. Um, but, uh, but no, brilliant tip. I mean, just don't, don't It's not. Don't think of too much, worry too much about the flow. Like, just get your, get the best and most important questions asked first. And um, when you've done your interview, um, and then you're going to turn this into some content. Like we said, there's mo- many forms of content. Um, that we're going to create from it. What do you like? What's the kind of workflow? What do you tend to um,
0: to do with it afterwards? Uh, so I always do an audio recording, um, and sometimes I'm on a, a, a Zoom call, like you and I are on right now. Uh, Zoom's audio capturing is like okay, but um, I I have like a little audio recorder app on my phone. I have a free one that I installed on my laptop. It's super lightweight and really easy to use. Um, so then instead of going back through that audio file myself time and time again, and like trying to find that one point where they said this one thing, um, I invest, well, actually Atlassian on my behalf, invests in having it transcribed. Um, there, there are transcription services out there. there are AI transcriptions out there. Um, they're pretty good. They're getting better, uh, but they're not quite there yet. Um, so especially when you're when people are first starting out, I really, really recommend um, paying for human transcription. It's not even all that expensive. Um, and the what you get then is like a, a a text document, a Word document or a Google Doc, and you've got everything in front of you. You can read it so much faster than you can listen to it. You can search for keywords in it. Uh, and so once I've got that transcript in hand, then I, while it's been being transcribed, by the way, I have been busy outlining the piece of content that I want to create. And so I know exactly what my points that I'm going to hit are. So then I can go back through the transcript and be like, and like highlight pieces like, oh, this is going to be a great quote for that third section in the piece I'm writing. Or like, oh yeah, I want that too. And um, I actually, this is sort of silly, but I use color coding to map between the transcript and my outline. So like section one in my outline is like, it's all like, that's the the red text. And so when I'm going through my ta- transcript and I find like something from the interview that's gonna be useful for that section, I'm like, oh, we're gonna turn that text red right now. Um, and I just go through the whole thing that way. And so by the time I'm done with it, the transcript has, is sort of like rainbow But then it makes it really easy as I'm drafting the content Um, And again, I'm usually working with like longer form written content. So as I'm drafting, um, you know, I'm like working through the orange section of my outline. All right, now I go to my transcript and find all the orange bits that I had highlighted, and I maybe copy those over to the document where I'm drafting, so I have them like in my line of sight. Um, I know this is like really detailed. I'm kind of, I'm sort of nerding out here, but um, that's that's the details of my process, and I, I find that that makes it just easier to keep track of everything it makes the whole thing easier to wrangle because your interview is going to come out with you know like you're going to end up using maybe five percent of the words that were said in your interview so it's like how do you pull those out from the other 95 (laughs) percent and keep it all organized
1: yeah I, I I love the process that you follow there and the color coding that's that's completely up my street and that is Um, Do you find, personally, I find um, I like to jump on these things really soon after uh, the interview when it's all really fresh in my head. But I guess some people probably prefer to go away and come back fresh. But to me, I kind of like, I really want to jump onto things like that whilst I'm, yeah, like even sort of same day or I'll put an hour or two aside straight after it to do all this kind of extra sort of post interview, post discussion planning. What what do you do? Do you let it stew for a little bit or do you
0: jump on straight away? Um, I am generally a person who wants to let it stew just a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I think this, it probably varies from, cre- you know, person to person. How, you, how do you like to create content? Um, if you're a person that really wants to like jump on it right away that same day, um, definitely look at some AI transcription options because that's going to be instantaneous. Um, if you want to do Uh, Human transcription for your interview. um, You're gonna like the tightest turnaround is gonna be like two business days, so you will have to wait some time for that. Um, But so usually it's it's a few days in between when I conduct the interview and when I get my transcript back. And in the meantime, I'm just kind of letting it marinate back in my head. Um, And like I said, while the transcription is going on. Um, that's what I'm uh, really like digging into my outline and making sure I've got that as fleshed out as possible. So I'm, I'm kind of, I guess I kind of straddle both world, worlds. It's not like I do no work on it in those initial couple of days.
1: Yeah. Um, and just a, a, a shout out to some of the transcript tools. So um, like Otter is a good one, isn't it? Um, yep,
0: that's my favorite AI. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we've actually pulled away a little bit from Otter recently for Descript because we use Descript anyway for some aspects of video and audio editing and they oh. have a built-in transcript. Um it's AI as well and you pay to use okay. Descript. But Descript's AI seems better than otter's so we use both. Oh interesting. Um, 100% agree with you um on the investment of the the human um transcription as well. We typically use Rev for that. I don't know who who you use but we we use Revs human transcript okay. service i think it's a dollar 25 a minute so half an yes. hour interview is going to be 45 dollars. it might have gone up i can't remember i'll check okay um but uh yeah there's, there's plenty isn't there very yeah. quality standards lastly just wanted to just like really like quickly talk about the repurposing so i know you mentioned that predominantly when you're doing your interviews it's the long form written pieces of of content for, for the blog at Alasian. Is there any other like repurposing that you like to do from that? Um, do you do sometimes it go into like email, social, white papers, that kind of
0: thing? Absolutely. Um, You know, when, first of all, like I said, 95% of that interview is going to end up on the cutting room floor, but it doesn't have to stay there. Like don't sweep it into the dustbin just yet, you yeah. know? Um. So... You can do derivative pieces of content on it. You might do like a short video, for example, that's like, you know, hey, I'm Sarah and I just published this article and blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you right now three things that I didn't have space to put in the article. Um, you know, or, and maybe you can even, like if you uh, were conducting the interview over Zoom and you've got that Zoom recording along with permission from the interviewee to use it, um, you know, you could maybe even slice it. You could do like a social post that's like, here's me talking with so-and-so and like, this is something that, you know, you're going to hear more about this in the article that I just published or in the white paper that's coming out soon. The, uh, or just, you know, just take a little take a little quote that they said and put it in a tweet uh, to yep. help promote the content.
1: Yeah, there's, there's so much you can do, isn't there? And the the interviews that you conduct in particular for these longer form pieces and then as you said there's there's all that additional content you can create and then for um I guess kind of many people listening to this they'll probably be hitting video on the interviews that they do and it will be video content as well so then there's the whole world of video teasers and uh like short little YouTube clips and um all of that content as well as the written content and so on so Interviews are fantastic. We have clients who interview their customers and interview experts for their content. Um, you know, we interview experts. You talked about internal conversations. Um, we even have a service at content to next where we interview um, experts within the company. And then from our interview, that's the content that we repurpose then. So we'll turn that into like video, podcast, blog posts, LinkedIn posts, things like that. And that's just going through thought leaders within an organisation. So we're such big fans of the power of like expert interviews and the content that you can create from them, and like most importantly, the high quality content that you create from it because you're showcasing expertise. So thank you, Sarah, so like so much for coming on to um, the podcast. It's been a really fantastic conversation. Um, just. One last question. I said I said the last question a minute ago, but this one's an easy one. Um, where would you like people to go um, if they want to connect with you? So, like, you know, stay in touch, connect with you, ask you a
0: question, ah. or anything like that. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is the best place to find me.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, we'll put the um the link to your LinkedIn on our show notes along with everything else and in our blog post as well. Um, so yeah thank you it's been an absolutely awesome conversation I'm sure everybody is going to have found it super useful so thanks Sarah
0: (laughs) you're most welcome anytime been super fun
1: so i hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in if you enjoy the content 10x podcast then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released and i'd really really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well that really makes a difference for the podcast also please do get a copy of my book content 10x more content less time maximum results it is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x, and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also, please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.